What's up, everyone? Aaron Nagler here for PackersNews.com on Nagler's Never Right, the latest off-season edition for you. Lots to talk about, lots to get to. First of all, I do want to say thanks so much for all your uh, comments and feedback regarding last week's podcast where I ripped audio from a Facebook Live session. I don't think I'm going to make that a regular thing. There were a few of you that enjoyed it. There were probably a few more that, that still wanted a regular podcast in addition to the Facebook Lives, and I think that's how I'll go about it. Um, I'll still rip some audio occasionally, as I do today, uh, but for the most part, if you want to hear the Facebook Lives, you're probably going to have to either find uh, the Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, or check the videos out on PackersNews.com. Um, as for the podcast, you know, I wanted to address something this week that's been you know, very much kind of a buzz around the Packers, I mean, heck, pretty much throughout the second half of the season, definitely since the offseason started, and that's, you know... The, the question of what are the Packers going to do about Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and their contracts. Now, this is something that you know, a lot of people have talked about online. I get tweets about it every single day. Um, and it just so happens that my colleague Pete Doherty wrote about it for PackersNews.com. If you haven't checked out his piece, please do so. Press pause, go read it, and then come back. Okay, welcome back from reading Pete's piece. Uh, I thought it was very well-written, very informative. I disagreed with some of it. I agreed with a lot a lot of it. And uh, I thought it would be a good idea to, uh, to chat with him about it. So first, I'm going to play you um, what I said on Facebook Live on Wednesday in regards to this subject. I'm going to lead with that. And then on the other side of it, I'll play my chat with Pete. Um, so hold on a second. Here's what I said yesterday on Wednesday regarding Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson. One thing that's been getting a lot of traction online today is the status of Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, something that I talked about yesterday um, uh, and the day before and the day before that. It seems that uh, a lot of people have major issues with these guys getting paid what they are owed in 2018. And I'll just say this, and I've said it a couple times and I'll continue to say it if you know, until uh, we break news or we find out that one of them has restructured um, or possibly been cut. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. Uh, I find it fascinating that so many people have an inability to look at what these guys actually do on a football field, down in and down out, uh, when the means are more than readily available to them, uh, while looking through the lens of the contract that these guys have signed. And matching the production, or lack thereof, and uh, what they are set to be paid. And comparing and contrasting to what other guys are getting paid around the league. I understand you look at the stats and you think, well, he's not worth that. That is, you know, time immemorial, a tradition of sports fans everywhere. But what people just seem to not want to take into account is the fact that the Packers and their offense is set up and designed in such a way that no one is ever really featured. Um, Jordan Nelson obviously gets the bulk of uh, Aaron Rodgers' looks. Uh, he's clearly the favored son when it comes to the quarterback. But um, there are games when Jordan Nelson is taken away and somebody has to step up uh, behind him. There are games when uh, uh, Jordan Nelson is you know, scored one, two, three, maybe three touchdowns. Um, there are games when you know, the running backs are featured out of the backfield. Uh, the, maybe the tight ends are given a little bit more love. Maybe a fullback sees a fullback dive touchdown or 
a swing pass out of the backfield, what have you. They spread the ball around. And that's not the fault of Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb. Um, you know, Randall Cobb does everything that's asked of him. He does all the dirty work over the middle, catches pretty much everything, is one of the league leaders in yards after the catch. And yet, Packer fans say, well, you only caught X amount, or you only have this many yards, or this many touchdowns. That's not his fault. You know, he signed the deal. He's holding up his end. You know, the Packers, did they maybe make a deal that's now out of whack towards the end of it when it comes to production? Possibly, but they knew what kind of offense they run when they offered the deal. So I have a really hard time imagining the Packers now turning around and saying, well, you know, we know we spread the ball around and, you know, we feature like six, seven, eight guys catching the ball every Sunday. Uh, and, you know, your fortunes rising and falling each week is really not in your control, but we need you to take a pay cut. That's really a bad way of doing business. And again, I understand, like me, people look at the box score, they look at the contract numbers, and they think these things don't match, and then they want to yell and scream. And here's the other aspect of it. They literally could pay each one of these guys what they're set to pay them in 2018. I don't think they will. I do think they'll probably restructure Jordy Nelson. But they could pay them all, everything they're owed, and still be able to extend Aaron Rodgers' deal, which is A, number one, the biggest priority for this team heading into 2018, and B, they could sign anybody else they wanted to in free agency, from the biggest fish to the smallest minnow. They could sign anybody they wanted. So if it's not cap prohibitive, and it doesn't, you know, destroy your the balance of your salary cap, which it wouldn't. It's a one-year spike in spending at the wide receiver spot. So what? All right, there. Just had to get that off my chest. It's it's just kind of it's when you when you get tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet about it, it kind of like burrows itself into your brain, and you think, I just don't quite get it. Anyway. William, thank you, and you also point out something else that I always say, and I'll say here again, thanks to your prompt. The salary cap is jumping up $10 million or more every single year. Plus, since the CBA, you can now roll over unused cap space. I just don't... The fretting and the... When was the last time you heard Green Bay Packers salary cap trouble? Or Green Bay Packers cap hell? doesn't happen. Russ Ball has positioned them very well, specifically enabling them to take a one-year spike in spending at the wide receiver spot if they so choose. People got to find something else to obsess about. I mean, they're good players. That's the other thing. Like, I understand Jordy Nelson looked, looked less than serviceable down the stretch. Now, part of that was the quarterback. Part of that was, you know, getting old and in the cold, and sometimes you look less than stellar as an older guy. Um, he did seem to shut it down a little bit with Brett Hundley at quarterback. But you can't deny his uh, value when Aaron Rodgers is out there. The man was leading the NFL in touchdown catches when Rodgers got hurt. Last I checked, putting touchdowns on the board is a pretty big part of the game. All right, that was my take from yesterday's Facebook Live on Wednesday, where I uh, kind of lost it a little bit, kind of came out swinging on the whole Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb conundrum, if you will. And uh, shortly after I did, I got a text from my colleague, Pete Doherty, uh, saying that I wasn't going to like his column 
but I, of course, loved his column because the man knows what he's talking about and always presents things in a smart light. So I thought I'd have him on. We could embrace debate a little bit. But not really, because I really kind of agree with everything Pete wrote. But joining me right now from the Green Bay Press-Gazette is Mr. Pete Doherty. Pete, thanks so much for uh, taking a few minutes to join me on my little podcast here. I think this... Um... This might be the first time I've had the uh, I've had the had the honor, and I got to say I love the show. I never miss it. So thanks for having me. <laughs> oh yeah, the honor. The honor is all mine, sir. If we if the dole out honors here. All right, so let's let's dive in here. Let's. I, I know you get it. You you aren't obviously as active on Twitter as I am, but I know you watch everything. You see everything. You consume it all. And I know you see the questions in regards to what the Packers are going to do with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb as it pertains to their contracts. And you did write a great piece. If people haven't checked it out, make sure you do at PackersNews.com. And your overall point, I think, is the correct one in that they have now tied themselves very much uh, financially to Devontae Adams because of the new deal they just gave him. But much like with Sam Shields, they are one hit away from this guy and yet another concussion to being down to, uh, you know, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, and Geronimo Allison having to do the heavy lifting at the wide receiver spot. And as you point out, that's a, that's a dubious proposition. Now, where I, come, where I come in here is I think they can still do something at wide receiver and or tight end in regards to free agency or the draft and not have to blow these guys up. Um, I do think they'll probably end up restructuring Jordy Nelson, but I don't think it has to be this drastic move that everyone seems to seems to be pointing to. The the one thing that I would worry about with if you're them is and you always have to walk this is such a fine line. One of the hardest things, you know, running these teams is when do you move on from guys, guys who have helped you win a lot of games, guys you really like. And Let's say they sign a receiver who's pretty good and maybe even draft one in the second or third round. You also want to play those guys. You got to get them on the field and they can, you know, especially a young guy can improve from January, from uh, July through January. So you've also got to balance how much, you know, if you have Nelson and Cobb on your roster still and you're paying them, you know, pretty big money, you know, you got to play them. And then are you, holding back younger guys who by the end of the season might be better players. Now, if they're ready to, to, to drop those guys into lower roles, you know what, they'll keep, what, six or maybe seven receivers, depending on, on what they have. Oh, God, I can't go through another summer of, of asking, are they going to keep seven <laughs> receivers? I can't do well, it. I can't do it, Pete. You're going to have to. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Say la vie. I know, um, right. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a hard decision. I, you know, I can see a scenario. I can see any of these scenarios playing out. Both are back. Only one's back. They end up cutting both. I don't think, I think that's the least likely of the three is cutting both. Um, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. I would guess the odds are probably best that they're both back. I think that they'll, if I were them, I'd, I'd try to cut uh, the salaries for both of them. But it's only worth doing that if you're going to use the money. In the past, if they did it, they wouldn't use the money. So, you know, with Gutekunst, maybe they would use the money either on defense or, you know, if they want to get a, a true number two receiver, you know, because Cobb is more a slot guy. If they get a true mm -hmm. number two receiver, which is not going to be cheap, they could use the money towards that. Yeah, I mean, that I totally get as far as, uh, you know, trying to use all your resources. 
I get asking Jordy Nelson to take a, a pay cut. Uh, I get that. And it sounds like, you know, I know he was on the radio a couple weeks ago saying that he was open to that kind of move, which yeah. pretty much gives you the indication that that's probably going to happen. Uh, but with Randall Cobb, I, this is the thing I keep coming back to. And I know he hasn't been as productive as he was the year leading up to the, the summer when he signed that deal. But he plays in an offense that spreads the ball around. Uh, he does all the dirty work over the middle. He's one of the league leaders in yards after the catch. And he can't throw himself the football. I don't think it's his fault that, you know, he he isn't a featured guy. Now, you know, did he kind of not step up when Jordy Nelson went down a couple years ago? Absolutely. Teams rolled coverages to him, and he, he had real trouble with it. But I still think in the context of the offense that, you know, They've been running for a long time. They knew what kind of offense they were running when they signed him to the deal. I just have a hard time picturing going to a guy and saying, look, you're doing everything we've asked you to do, but we need you to take a pay cut. Yeah, and if the thing is, if you if they do that, you always you have to be willing then to cut the guy. Right. If if he says no. There are, you know, I mean, that's your only leverage is then you have to you have to cut him. So there is some risk there. And I, I get all your points. The thing that worries me about him is, I mean, he is he has been you, you just have to admire his toughness. I mean, he's a little guy who gets out there and plays. He plays hurt. Yeah. Um, he's taken a beating over his career. He's he's played a lot of football where he's you know hasn't been 100 percent. I mean, there's there's a lot to admire there with him. Oh, I mean, yeah. And you talk about taking a beating. He couples it not only working over the middle, but running stuff out of the backfield, like in between the tackles. Yeah, and he right, and he runs the ball, and he takes his shots, and, you know, I mean, I can see why Mike McCarthy, Mike, you can tell McCarthy just loves this guy. Right. But the thing that worries me is he's a little guy, and he's, one, he's a small target. So there are throws over the middle where, you know, a 6'2 guy. Right, can go up and get it. Yeah, and a 5'10 and a half guy, it's an incompletion. And, you know, so that makes it a little a little tougher. And I would I would worry about the Knicks starting to build up and him getting hurt again during the season and diminish. You know, it'll diminish the quality of his play. You know, that's why teams you know in the draft you'll see these really explosive, fast little receivers coming out, and you'll 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 wonder why won't teams pick these guys up and the guys will play great early in their career. Right. But that's why teams worry about these the smaller guys is they just can't take the beating. Now, if you're Steve Smith and you're Five nine or whatever, but you're two hundred plus pounds. You're not a little guy. You're short, but you're not little. But if you're right. one hundred eighty pounds, it's just such a brutal game. So, you know, that would be my concern with Cobb is that, you know, he could it just you could see him getting hurt again. I would just I wouldn't want to count too much on either of these guys having a big season next year. I'm kind of thinking, you know, like I don't know what you were thinking during the season. I thought, you know, I think they're going to move on from one of these two guys. I'm guessing it'll, they'll keep Nelson and move on from Cobb. I flip flop that now. I'm kind of guessing. I could see a scenario where they just they they just move on from Nelson and and keep Cobb, maybe with a pay cut, maybe not. Yeah, I I definitely agree there. I think if there is a possibility of one of them of them moving on from one of them, I think it is Nelson. The one thing that gives me pause in regards to maybe Cobb could be summarily dismissed is because they have Ty Montgomery, who can do a lot of what they ask Cobb to do. You know, that's a, that's a really good point too. And, um, you know, and there's another guy, you know, he's, they can, you know, he's not really a receiver or a running back. He's right. Just exactly. A player, he's a player, so, right. you know, count him, count him with whichever group you want. It doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, that's another guy that they can use in that role. And, you know, a lot will depend on, 
what receivers are available in free agency, how aggressive they'll be. It sounds like Gutekunst is, is going to try to be involved in a lot of, you know, going after guys. Right. Um, so, you know, we, the proof will be, you know, we'll see what happens in, in March, but, you know, we got to see first who gets re-signed between now and, and the start of free agency. And then if anybody gets tagged right. and then see, see who's available there. And, uh, you know, they, I'm sure they want to give Rogers more weapons, um, you know, if they're, they're trying to rebuild that defense, but you know, if you can, if you can just pound teams with, uh, with talent on offense too, that's another way to help your defense. And I, we can't, I wouldn't be shocked if they, I mean, we all know they need corners, they need pass rushers. I wouldn't be shocked if they took a receiver or a tight end in the, even in the first round, but more likely like in the second round, that, that wouldn't be a surprise. No, a receiver at 14 wouldn't shock me at all. A tight end would, but a receiver absolutely would not be a surprise. The other thing, the other thing though, about Montgomery, and this is why I'm, I always kind of fall on the side of advocating for keeping good players. Like Cobb is a good player. Uh, is he maybe what he once was? Probably not, but he's still a good football player who knows their system. You know what you're getting week in and week out. And the thing, the idea of maybe moving on from him because you've got Montgomery, but Montgomery hasn't shown that he can stay on the field. So I'd yeah, much, he, you know, I'd much but, rather keep as many assets as possible and use their versatility rather than having to get, you know, you get rid of a guy. So you have to count on Montgomery to do what he did, what Cobb did, but then you can't count on Montgomery to stay healthy for a full season. Yeah. Cause he's giving you no faith to now. And then the wild cards in this are Allison and to a lesser degree, uh, Michael Clark. Right. Um, you know, I think that I get the feeling they still like Allison a fair amount. You know, he had that bad fumble, that killer fumble against Carolina. Right. Um, but I think they still think there's, a lot to work with there. Um, and, you know, the heart, what they're going to have to figure out is whether they think Michael Clark is, is going to, you know, explode. Is he going to end up being like a starting caliber guy or is he just a talented guy who's just going to flash, flash ability and, and that'll be the end of it. And, you know, it was really tough to tell this year. Um, you know, they put him out there late in the season and, you know, he did a couple things where you're like, okay, there's something to work with there. And then there were some, you know, plenty of bad plays and drops too. So, um, you know, they have to project a lot and that's, you know, this goes back to the old, you know, this is at least as old as Branch Rickey, and I'm sure it goes back. <laughs> you know, you, when it comes to personnel, you, you, you're better off parting with the guy a year early than a year late because the price you pay if you keep him too long is so great. Vince Lombardi, it was a big thing with him was until that, that last team that he had. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look earlier in his career, he got rid of a lot of guys um, when he thought that they were they were starting to show their age, even just a hint of it, they would, he would move on. Um it's the hardest part of personnel. I know yes. somebody who the reason right. Belichick. I was just going to say, Belichick's made a career out of it. Yeah, you know, and they went that 10-year uh, drought where they didn't win a Super Bowl. And the guy, this guy thinks that he's the difference between that 10-year drought and now is he's willing to get rid of guys more uh, more readily now. So it's And it's a fine line, you know. and um, But it's, it's really risky to keep guys too long because then, you know, then you're not ready to, to replace them uh, when they are done. So sometimes... You just have to, we've talked about this, you just have to mm-hmm. force yourself to get better. Right. And they're, they're right in that grade. Well, see, wait, wait, okay. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Because I've been thinking about, because you said that a lot, kind of up down the stretch last year, because a lot of that was, the question was around Julius Peppers, right? Yeah. And whether they should bring him back. And you repeatedly made the point, I thought it was the, I think it was the correct one. You know, you got to force yourself to get better. And under Thompson, when they did make that call, they, and it's shown up repeatedly throughout his tenure, whether it was getting rid of Charles Woodson when when they did, which at the time I totally agreed with. 
whether it, you know moving on from Charles Woodson, whether it was choosing not to re-sign Julius Peppers, that's all well and good to say, okay, we're going to force ourselves to get better and or better to get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late. The problem in both of those instances and probably a few others that I can't think of just off the top of my head was that they did such a poor job of replacing the guy that they they mo- wanted to move on from. Whether yeah. it was the, you know, the 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 cornucopia of crap that they put at safety after they let go of Woodson or, you know, whether it was the throwing out of, you know, the idea that they could get by with uh, Fackrell, uh, you know, spelling Clay Matthews. It just all the the idea is great, but you've got to complete the other part of it. And that's where I think Thompson has really, really fell short throughout the years. He did. And, you know, and, and Peppers, I mean, you know, God bless the guy. It's it's incredible how well he's he still played this year, and the Packers could have used him. But yeah, big time. In, in, in saying, you know, that in advocating that they were right to move on, I was doing that assuming they're picking a, an outside rusher. Uh, yeah, if, it, in the deepest uh, edge rushing draft that we've seen in the last 10 years, that would, you know, I think you and I were both on the same page there thinking, okay, this makes sense. And that's why, uh, you know, if you look at, free agent, you know, the way teams are handling free agency now. And I, Belichick was on the forefront of this. Um, I'd have to go back through the archives, but I remember doing the research on this back in, you know, the first year they won the Super Bowl. What was that? The 01 season? I right, think. right. Uh, you look at that. That was like his second season there, I think. It was really early in his time in New England. And you look at their free agent class that year. They signed like it was like a 12 billion or 13, guys. 12 yes. or 13 guys. And it ranged from some of these guys were getting bonuses of, Fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. A couple of them were, you know, in the you know, like four or five hundred thousand dollars. Maybe somewhere in there, there was a guy who got him. I mean, it was all low bonuses. They treated it like a huge draft class. And he cut like half of the guys. But yep, I Mike, remember. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel was in there. Yep. Um, I think that corner, but that good cornerback they had. Uh, um, I'm trying to. Think, I can't remember his name. Brown, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Who was with them for like a big yeah. run? The, most of their run. Their yeah, he was an older. Yeah, he was an older guy. Uh, I think he was in that uh, free agent class. So they they treated it like a like a second draft, and you know that's another way to use free agency. And teams have gotten so much smarter about it in the last five or six years. And as Tom Silverstein pointed out in a column he did, a, I don't know, right. like a month, a couple before, weeks. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that they have so much more money to work with too, because the cap keeps jumping up so much. Um, so it's probably, you know, it's, it was time to have a GM who's been brought up, who's learned the game in this system, as opposed to the, in the early nineties, when, when teams were blowing money and the lesson was free agency is really dangerous. And, uh, you know, beware because you could end up wasting a lot of money. Now it's, you know, front load contracts and, and you can help yourself. Well, you just look at the playoff teams, Uh, look at the teams that are remaining. You look, I mean, Minnesota absolutely fixed their offensive line in free agency. Uh, yeah. the, ja- the Jaguars put themselves over the top on defense in free agency. I mean, obviously they've been drafted in the top 10 forever, but, you know, they got really three really key pieces in free agency. So, yeah, I think that point is absolutely correct. Um, you know what I couldn't believe was that uh, New England has seven guys that they acquired on trades. I know. Seven. Crazy, right? In, I mean, because there are no, you know, everybody, there's no trades in this league anymore. They have seven of them. That's, it's, uh, it's funny, though, because that's another thing that's kind of changed. Right. I mean, remember for the last decade or so, it has been, you know, the NFL trade deadline is a total ghost town, et cetera. But this last kind of year, year and a half, that's all of a sudden kind of been turned on its head. There, there have been more trades in the NFL in the last like, I don't know, like two seasons than I can ever remember happening in the last like five or six. For sure. And with um, 
what they're going to have 11 picks it looks like and you yes. can trade their compensatory yep, no, I, exactly you do, you do wonder if uh you know, and, and you know, obviously trading up in the draft is one way to use you know the, the extra picks. Mm-hmm. But trading them for a, a player you like is another. Yep. Well, we'll see how it shakes out, Pete. I can't thank you enough for taking some time to join me. Uh, I'm sure my listeners appreciate it. I know I do, um, and I will undoubtedly see you online and speak to you uh, down the road. Well, thanks for having me, Aaron. Again, it's uh, it's an honor and a privilege to uh, to make my <laughs> my debut on uh, Nagler's Never Right. So there you have it. All the latest on the Packers, uh, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, what they're going to do at the wide receiver spot. Um, Obviously, we got into a little bit more than that, but that's what happens when you're talking Packers with one of the best. That's Pete Doherty. Um, I'm incredibly lucky to call him a colleague. Um, You can see one of the smartest guys on the beat. Been around for a long time, been doing it for a long time. One of the best. Um, Thanks to Pete for joining me. Thanks to all of you for listening, for downloading, for making Nagler's Never Right part of your Uh, Packers routine. It means the world to me. I can't believe you all take the time. Thank you so much. Uh, Make sure you're checking everything we do at PackersNews.com. Always great content. Always on top of all the latest for you. That's why we're here. Thanks so much, everyone. I'll talk to you next week here on Nagler's Never Right.